So beginning this evening and this month-long retreat, first of all by offering a very, very warm welcome to you all. Many familiar faces and some new. For those of you who are, who are new, I'm assuming that you know who we are, but I will introduce us anyway. Um, I'm more obvious, uh, because I'm clearly not Rob or Yanai. Um, this is Yanai, and this is Rob, and the three of us will be here with you, together with you, over this month. So this evening what we want to do is, is to really encourage this sense of arriving and this sense of beginning the retreat. And in the service of that, mostly what we want to talk about this evening is, is a kind of framework of this month-long period, which, of course, some of you I know have undertaken in the past. Even so, I would ask you to listen as if you haven't. We all know there's a kind of reorientation that takes place. It's a process of reorientation that takes place as we move from a life of more engagements, responsibilities, doing, into a life of more solitude, more simplicity, um, more discipline. And, you know, some of the first words of the Buddha when he spoke about people coming into a more meditative space, he would give this encouragement to, to disentangle from the world and to establish oneself in mindfulness and solitude. And I think that is part of our arriving. There is a certain disentanglement that needs to happen in this reorientation towards silence and the very simplicity of what we do here. What the Buddha provided, I think, in this path of teaching was a very clear map of awakening, a very clear map of direction. He acknowledged that many of us like he did, begins this path for different reasons, but often having to deal with a certain confusion, preoccupation, a mind often bound to habit, often kind of stuck in reactivity. And he says this whole path is really almost an inner re-education, an inner teaching of learning both the skills of the meditative path that allow us to move from confusion to clarity, but almost also a reteaching of the inner qualities of heart that really show us what it is to feel a fullness of aliveness, of wakefulness, of kindness, of compassion. And of course, the culmination, the fruition of the path that the Buddha spoke about was really an unshakable liberation of heart. So in a way, one way of framing the meditative training or the meditative path and practice is almost that it is almost like a training in this unshakability. Training in this unshakability. 
But it is a training, and it is a path. When we look at what the framework that the Buddha offered, it was a very full framework, because the Buddha didn't just speak about formal meditation. He really spoke about the cultivation of an awakened life, in which formal meditation does play a very, very important part. A very, very important part. Learning to come, learning what it means to come to an inner stillness, to cultivate an inner listening, calming, calming the agitation, calming the inner formations, bringing our capacity for kindness, for compassion. But then, of course, that makes a difference if it also moves into translation, into embodiment. In fact, when the, when the Buddha spoke about this path, he talked about these different steps of insight, of first to very much to listen to the teaching. Because we don't come here just to sit and to walk. It's almost what is our sitting and walking in the service of. And listening to the teaching, in a way, informs our practice. It's what gives it a sense of direction, a sense of meaning. But then, as the Buddha said, you take what you listen to and you really weigh it up inwardly. You scrutinize it. You, you look at it. You're curious about it. Is it true for you? You bring it into direct experience through, through the practice that we cultivate here. And then you learn to embody that teaching, not as just something you've listened to, but something that you live in the light of. Certainly in this environment, we, we will be doing you know, quite a bit of teaching. You will be quite listening to quite a bit of teaching through the retreat. But in many ways, this is a really a, a journey of inner deepening that you make alone and you make together of really, really exploring for oneself what it means to live in the light of the teaching. What does it mean to live in the light of the understandings of impermanence, of unsatisfactoriness, of non-self? What does it mean to live in the light of kindness, of compassion, of wakefulness? This is something we cultivate moment to moment through our days here together. So I'm going to stop there momentarily. I will return with <laughs> like a sponsorship. Very warm welcome to you all. And uh, just briefly to mention, as you have been aware, I think from the emails, Catherine, who would have been joining us, was uh, un- and is unfortunately able to unable to do so. Is uh, as my wife, I can sort of speak on her behalf, but I'm not really. Um, but uh, she's, she's okay, and it's really been a very interesting process of making a decision to say, actually, this is what she needs to do, i.e. not be here. And I hope for any of you that if that's a disappointment, you understand uh, the situation. And she certainly extends her very uh, deep work good wishes and blessings to you all in your practice over this month and is is sorry not to be part of it in the way she has been over many years. So uh, just uh, wanting to name that. In terms of coming here, I always...
kind of find when this time of year comes around. There's a certain sense of an outbreath. I sort of, oh yeah, it's a whole month in one place. Uh, not just for you, um, for me and many of us too. It's a time when we're not going too many other places. And something about this extended period of time that has a, a real potency to it for the house, for Gaia House and for the community of practitioners, all of you coming together here. There's a, a quality of, of settling, of deepening, of really a unifying of practice that can happen when there's an extended period of time for stillness, for inner exploration, for the cultivation of heart and mind. And to have this period when there aren't the uh, comings and goings of group retreats that are otherwise taking place during the rest of the year, it's commonly noted not just by those on retreat, but certainly in the whole building, the sense of the, the sort of the, the vibration, the resonance of what's here starts to take on a very particular and precious quality. And so it's a, it's a lovely time for me, and uh, I hope and trust it will be also for you to be here over these days, and uh, for some of you here for one week or two weeks or a month, and some of you here in the context of a longer period of practice. And to have the opportunity to sit amongst a community of experienced and committed practitioners. Something of a real blessing here, it seems to me. A real precious and blessed time to have made this space, as each of you have, to be here. And it can be helpful if you're just beginning today, or equally if you've been here for a little while, just sometimes stop and check in with what is it that moves us? What is it that inspires you? What is it that touches your heart or shows in your life that says to you, time and silence and stillness and meditation and exploration of the Dharma teachings, this is my priority for this time. This is what I want to give myself to. What is it that moves in our heart that brings us to that place? I think it's something very beautiful and precious to honour. And because, for most of you, I imagine, in order to get here, you had to make plans long in advance and organise many things, we can sometimes arrive having kind of, because that's what I'm doing. And there's a point at some, somewhere around about now, I imagine, and I remember it well from my own times in this retreat and others as a participant, where one just sort of realised, oh, that's right, it's a retreat. And the sort of the nice thoughts about, oh, that's really a lovely thing, which it is, sometimes also start to open up to include the, hmm, that's actually quite a significant and potentially challenging at times situation to place oneself in. And that, that can, I think, very usefully and beneficially give rise to a certain quality of energy, of engagement, of sense, yes, to really be full and wholehearted in that. And just a little reflection on what brings us here, what moved us to come here, or if we're already here, what moves us to stay here? It can be something really helpful as we arrive and land and begin to settle in to this situation. One of the very special things about this, this time and this month is that the whole house is running on the same rhythm. 
rather than having sort of group retreat in this part of the house and personal retreats at the far end from here and sort of a bit of an uncomfortable interface at times between the needs of those different groups, the whole thing here is really oriented around what is going to be the most supportive for the practice that you all as a group and individually are undertaking. And there's nothing else that we're really needing to fit in or take care of here. And that, that sense of a, of a unification of purpose, a unification of orientation, is very powerful. And even as I just pause a moment and just have a sense of the silence and the, the quiet here, it's like a sense of landing, at least for me, just in the listening. I was here just a couple of days ago finishing teaching a week-long retreat. And it's a very different thing, it seems to me, than what's here. Well, one of the elements of the retreat I'd like to speak a little bit about is the, the way in which we can support a sense of openness, of spaciousness, and of simplicity. It's quite understandable and, in fact, sometimes appropriate to come with some intentions as to what we wish to explore, to engage in, maybe particular styles of practice or themes within the Dharma teachings that we'd like to engage with more. It might be that there's an interest to explore the deepening of calm, of tranquility, of samatha, concentration. It may be that there's the, uh, the wish and the, the sense of being called to deepen in the heart qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity, the, the Brahma Viharas of Metta, Karuna, Mudita and Upekka. And this might be what we want to primarily focus on or exclusively make our practice oriented towards. And of course we may come with that sense of really just wanting to explore, to investigate, to really see more deeply into the nature of experience, to come to understand more fully and more realize the transformation that is born of insight in our practice and in our lives. And of course these different elements can be part of and need to be part of any form of practice. But we may have a sense of orientation towards one or another. And that, that's a kind of a useful sense of intentionality or focus we may bring. There may be a particular form of meditative practice or technique that we want to explore or develop. Or it might be more a sense of just, there's this big open space and let's see what happens. Let's see what unfolds here. And all of those, I think, really important and, and appropriate or valid intentionalities to bring. And so far as you may have an intention in that regard, you know, the support is here for developing any or all of those dimensions of the Dharma teaching. And at the same time as that's really important, really appropriate, to also have a real openness to see what comes here. In whatever form of practice we engage, if we come with too much of an agenda or an idea of what we're supposed to produce or where we want to get, it's very easy to kind of have a certain busyness about it or a certain gaining mind with regard to practice. And a gaining mind inevitably leads to a comparing and assessing mind. 
And that's not necessarily the most useful way to engage. So if you have a a plan or a project or a, a final outcome that you've envisaged, in terms of practice, I think it's useful to have it as a sense of direction rather than as a, a point of completion that we need to get to. Because we never know in our journey what will show up, what will turn out to be most important. And I think leaving oneself open in that way, not having too fixed a sense of what needs to be the outcome. If we leave ourselves open in that way, we have the greatest support for really tuning into, being sensitive to that. That way in which our practice and the unfoldment of practice informs how we might orient or direct or guide the way we're engaging, the way we're practicing. It also, in terms of simplicity, it also means not uh, getting too busy with things to do in between times. It's like the, the schedule, and I imagine most of you are quite familiar with the kind of schedules one might encounter in a retreat like this. It's a little bit more open plan here, and Christina will speak more about the practicalities of how that works. But the fact that it's open plan doesn't mean we're not really encouraging you to be wholehearted and committed and making every aspect of your day part of your practice. And so things like reading and writing, it's really useful to minimise those or to moderate them so that they, if you use a little bit of you know reading or studying at times, it can be helpful, but really in modest quantities. I don't often find that more than you know 15 or 20 minutes reading is really digestible in the context of a retreat. Maybe it's different for you. But to, to check that out and see, so that when, we, when we're taking something, and we're taking it in small chunks and really digesting it. Likewise, if you're wanting to make a few notes as you go along with the unfoldment of your practice or what you've heard reflected in the teachings, it can be great. It can be useful sometimes. I do note that sometimes when I've done that, I almost never go back and read them again. Again, it might be different for you. But... There's something also about the way in which our mind can pick up a sense of trying to keep a track and a record of everything that's happening in a way that it kind of, again, it's a little bit trying to get it for the future or make something out of it. When putting down too much of that recording and note-taking actually gives us a gift of space, stepping out of the world of words and the orientation towards information is the most important thing. That really gives an immense amount of space and support to connecting more deeply with the the knowing of the heart, we could say. The knowing that's born of a really intimate contact with our experience. A really sensitive and resonant connection with what's happening moment by moment. Leaving the space open for that to be revealed, for that to be received. It's a real gift we offer ourselves. And in being here in that spirit, it's equally a real gift that we offer each other. We can really allow things to slow down. There's no rush. There's plenty of time. And just to see what unfolds. So I'd like to really wish you all very well that your practice be fruitful, for your own well-being, and that it equally 
be part of a, a rippling of the Dharma that flows out from here and from each of our practice into the world in the ways that it can and does. And I look forward to meeting with you along the way. Thank you. So <clears throat> really want to add my welcome to everybody here. Um, and uh, we've, all of us had a very busy day and just sort of arriving here and, uh, you know, once again feeling the beauty of what's here, something really special. <clears throat> and um, knowing a lot of you uh, and, and not others, but knowing that those that I know and uh, knowing the... Uh, Sincerity and the dedication of your practice and uh, seeking and the uh, the goodness that's involved. So, <clears throat> knowing too that that uh, is present in in those that I don't know, and that's just a beautiful thing to be here with, to be present to. So just. I want to be quite brief and just a couple of aspects of, of being on, on retreat and being on this retreat. And Yanai was asking um, just now, what, what is it that brings you here? Why are you here? You know, what is it, what is this surge inside, this current that, that pulls you to uh, spend time like this <clears throat> in this, these kind of endeavors? Uh, Maybe it's clear, maybe it's less clear, but we we can definitely feel the pull. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't be here. And so then, a question goes with that: How can I best support that? How can I best support this this current in me, this this longing, this desire in me? And that goes as a question for my whole life, and it's also a question for this retreat. On this retreat, how can I best support that? Both uh, Yana and Christina have spoken about it. So, just want to touch on two things specifically. And one is the silence and the relationship with the silence. Um, all of you have been on retreat before, so you know about being in silence. And um, Just a kind of reminder or a plea to really not forget the power of it or not to underestimate the power of the silence. Uh, something... Uh, immensely potent in its capacity to hold ourselves, hold our experience, and hold our desire as well, hold that current inside us. Um, So to really, really commit to the silence, to give ourselves, to abandon ourselves to the silence that's here, that's actually palpable, even right here in the hall. And oftentimes people say as they walk in the front door, there's something in the air at Guy House. The science has a lot of dimensions to it. On one level, it's just an agreement that we're making together that we'll try to support each other and ourselves in practice by keeping the silence together so that we make it easier for 
self and other to go deep in practice, to, to let go more easily. And, and there are other levels too, in the sense of something, uh, being able to open to something, to feel the embrace of something much greater, much deeper, much more profound, and really hold our whole sense of existence. And that's here, if we can open the consciousness to it, can open the being to it. And it's so easy to kind of close the door a little bit on that possibility by not uh, giving ourselves so fully to the silence. And one example would be with mobile phones, for example. And this, uh, nowadays, um, we all carry around our mobile phones almost everywhere. And it's a clock, and it's a this, and it's a that, and it does all kinds of things. And so, and I know this, uh, that now uh, very often that uh, habit of just having the mobile phone on it continues on retreat. Um, and in a way, just to really honestly ask, is this really serving? Is it really serving my retreat? Is it really serving my deepening? Is it really serving the way I'm supporting uh, my my fellow retreatants, my colleagues here, my fellow journeyers. So please, 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 um, just turn it off. If there's an emergency, if some kind of situation is going on with a loved one or a relative or something, and you're waiting for a call, um, please just let, the, for instance, the, the office know. In fact, not for instance, let the office know. And uh, give your friend, relative, whatever, that number. Uh, so they'll call that and, and they'll find you just uh, pretty soon. Um, second thing, um, as well as the silence, uh, talking about what really supports uh, our retreat, my retreat and the retreat of all of us, is um, sila, this word sila, which means uh, ethics or guidelines of ethics. Actually, one lovely translation that they have in the Mahayana is uh, caring for sentient beings. Sila, ethics, means to care for sentient beings. It's a very beautiful and broad description of what what that is. So again, it's like, what does one feel when one arrives at Guy House? There's a silence and... I feel, uh, and I know a lot of uh, people feel, there's goodness here. You can, there's a palpable sense of goodness. And no, it's not perfect. It's definitely not a perfect uh, institution, certainly, and it's definitely not a perfect place. But there's goodness here, and there's a commitment to goodness. And that's something as human beings that we can feel, and we can feel held in and supported by, embraced by, protected by. So, so uh, significant in them what happens with our inner experience. Because when I begin to sense that I'm moving in an environment of goodness, an environment where I can let the guard down a little bit, then also the guard of the heart begins to feel like it can let down a little bit. And the guard of uh, the way we contract sometimes. So through the sila, through this dedication to goodness and to respect and care and cultivating a sense of trust, we're giving ourselves something 
incredibly lovely and giving others that too and receiving that for others. It's really in the service of simplicity. It's in the service of calmness. It's in the service of peace. Respect, care, trust. So I know you know these five precepts and I just want to offer them again, run through them again. Um, And then we're in a way collectively making that commitment together. Something very um, precious in in this world. To, to want to live in, in, a, in a field of goodness and to want to um, feed a field of goodness. So the first one, as you probably know, is, is to really try not to harm uh, in one's actions, in one's movements. What is it to be together trying not to harm certainly each other, oneself, what does that mean? The animal world, the insect world around us, we could really broaden this, but we'll keep it simple for now. It's just the retreat. Um, not to harm, but correspondingly to act with kindness, to let kindness express itself through our being, through our body and action. And the second one is to try not to take what is not given. And again, here at Guy has like almost like everything is provided that we could need, possibly. And if it isn't, you can just write a note, and usually it shows up for you, <laughs> which is nice. We don't need to worry uh, if, you know, I don't need to carry my bag around with me uh, to make sure. There's a real safety that's being provided for each other, a real, real um, arena of trust. And the corresponding positive of that is to to uh, act generously, to embody, to 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 be generous in life. The third one has to do with sexuality and how we are with with our sexuality, with our sexual energy in life. Um, generally, it means not to kind of be abusive uh, with our or exploitative with our sexuality. But on retreat um, together, what we're um, you guys are making is a commitment to uh, conscious abstinence from any deliberate sexual activity just for the period of this retreat. And of course it's not that there's anything at all wrong or impure with sexuality at all, at all. A very beautiful part of human existence. It's just for the sake of simplicity and for the sake that uh, be, you know, anyone here doesn't feel hassled by unwanted attention from someone else. Um, the fourth has to do with speech. And again, that's a very big and complex one outside a retreat, uh, very challenging and rich. On retreat, again, it's just to do with the um, silence. And if you're going to write notes to coordinators, um, see if that can be uh, with kindness. And then the last one has to do with intoxicants, with drugs and alcohol. And again, for this for the duration of this retreat, it's a collective commitment to not um, partake of any drugs or alcohol whatsoever, to preserve, to allow the heightening and the deepening of the sensitivity, the refinement of consciousness, which is so necessary for uh, meditative work and for also for the opening of the heart, actually. <clears throat> um, so that's it. With these kind of rules, it's so easy to think of them as rules, as shoulds, as a pressure, and we bring our 
Western tradition of right or wrong and the oppressiveness of morality, but actually it's a gift. And so if it feels oppressive, the invitation is to see if there can be a different relationship, an opening to the sense of gift, receiving and giving something really, really precious uh, for oneself and for others. So, uh, wish you a very lovely and fruitful retreat and um, see you soon. Now, after all these edifying words, I would like to actually bring us back to some practicalities. And I know you has already given some of this, but because of the sort of distinctiveness of this retreat, there's a little bit more to talk about here. Um, and these practicalities really are part of the framework of, of holding this retreat. So I would really ask you to listen quite carefully. <laughs> And please chip in, you too, if if I'm missing something. So knowing that um, there are no bells during this retreat other than um, bells for meals, which will be rung by someone else. But there will be a bell to end sitting periods. Now there's a certain meditation hall etiquette, I would say, during this retreat, it's very, very important that everyone um, supports and contributes to. So you will see outside that there's a schedule that basically is the schedule for the hall. Um, so in that schedule, I'm hoping that schedule is up. So in that schedule, we would really ask that if you're coming to sit in the hall, you arrive for the beginnings, of the, for that time when those sittings begin, and you commit to staying to its end, so that the meditation hall is not a kind of drop-in center um, or a wandering-and-out center. It, it, the, these sittings do have a beginning. They don't necessarily have to have an ending. If you prefer to sit longer, that's, of course, lovely and entirely up to you. But the ending, it does need to be marked. So what we would ask, and this is a shared responsibility, that when you come into the hall, if you come into the hall for one of those sitting periods, you will see the bell up here, you will see the clock, it turns around. It's someone's responsibility, all of your responsibility, to at some point pick up that bell, take it to your seat, and end the sitting with just a quiet bell, please. Not a great clamor. <laughs> Some people might be sitting longer. Um, but just with a quiet bell. And, and if nobody does that, it's a very, very long sitting um, that goes right up until the next mealtime. So that might be some encouragement for you. So if the bell is up here, nobody's taken it, you know, you might think, when was the last time I ended the sitting? And take the bell to your seat, and that will be the sign that somebody's taking care of this. Um, I do, we would ask at the ending of sitting step to have a quiet bell and to leave the hall quietly because many people do find it useful or certainly as the month goes on that their sitting periods may extend, may be longer. So it's it's really to support that. Um, 
Okay, so that, that I think, covers the piece of sitting in the hall. Does anyone think of anything else about that? So, um, certainly this evening, in support of what Rob and Jan and I have said, to try and take care of business, to be able to put it down. Um, the library is open during this retreat, but again, in the spirit of what Yanai has said, you know, one could spend several months here and not, and still have many more books in the library to read. And I know it can be very, very kind of alluring and sort of tempting. You know, you might go in there and think, oh, those wonderful titles and all the books I haven't read, and oh, I'm a little bored right now, maybe. I would really encourage you to practice a great deal of restraint, as Yanai has suggested, but if you find it useful, you might find it useful just to take one book that you're working with a little bit over the period of the month. Now, during this first week particularly, we will be offering a short talk instruction period here every day. So in this first week, we really want to cover pretty much the kind of ground of insight meditation. And you will see the times for those talks. They're not regular times. They may be different every day. You'll see the times for them already posted or beginning to be posted, certainly the first couple, on the notice board outside. So that's the ground that we will cover in here in this first week particularly. In the evenings, there is um, an opportunity to come in and to listen to a recorded Dharma talk. So again, this is a collective responsibility. Please, not one person suddenly deciding the menu of the evening Dharma talks for the next month. This is really shared. Well, there are a few guidelines we would really ask. You go into the library, choose a talk at some point during this month, Choose a talk that has been given on an insight meditation retreat. It might be here, it might be IMS, might be Spirit Rock, might be in one of the monasteries, but we would ask that we only play talks in here that have been given on an insight meditation retreat. I think that will be evident to you. Perhaps spread them out over different teachers so there is a range of voices. Choose a talk, usually we'll have the time on, that is certainly not longer than an hour. Okay, that would be my suggestion. Once you've chosen, and this will be for everybody, once you've chosen, there's a a sheet on the notice board, write the name of the talk, who's offering it, and then bring it and put it up here at the front. Uh, Have you offered to put them on each evening? Have you offered to do that? I think I, I think Brian was going to follow that out. So if you could just take note to follow it up with Brian. So we're hoping that there will be one person who put, who is in charge of putting the talk on, the tape on, the recording on. Um, and again, you know, if you don't wish to come and listen, you're, you're quite welcome to sit in your room. Um, is there anything more to say about that selecting of talks? You think of anything? No, I'm just thinking, though, it's probably all CDs, isn't it? CDs, yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. all CDs. 
We're going to have a tape for some. Yeah, CDs only, by the way, only CDs. Well, if you bring the boombox in, the tape will work as well. Okay, okay, so, okay both will work. But anyway, if we're, we're very clear because we really want whatever is offered in the hall really to be supportive of our primary thread of practice here at Gaia House. If you, perhaps to say with insight meditation, we're in a way thinking of including, of course, if it's an insight retreat focusing or insight tradition, but more focusing on metta or um, yeah. loving kindness or, or concentration, samatha, that's of course within the ambit of what we're suggesting. I don't know if that was entirely clear. Yeah, okay. The interview sheets will go up on a regular basis. We've endeavored to provide, if you wish, a space for two interviews a week. Um, and again, I think this is just something to approach with a good deal of mindfulness. You know, you don't necessarily need to be planning your next interview before you've even had the first. Um, we would also always ask that you sign up from the top and not leave gaps. But also we would ask you to use any empty slots that are available on the interview sheets, certainly prior to writing any notes to any of us for extra slots. So please use the sheets wisely, recognizing you know, that with three of us we are endeavoring to offer 90 interviews a week, which is a good chunk of interview time. So please use the empty slots. Um, and we'll just see, how, we'll keep track of this over the first couple of weeks, but there should be enough there if you wish for two interviews. If one is sufficient for you, that's absolutely fine. Okay, is that clear? I think. Oh, we do ask that you have at least, actually we insist, <laughs> more than ask, we insist that you have at least one interview a week. Um, we need to actually know what is going on. Um, I think that more or less covers the practicality. This room, of course, is, is only for sitting. There are other walking spaces. There's a, also a yoga space. So this, this space here is a very, very dedicated space. But also just... To add, it, may, it might have been obvious that you're, of course, you don't have to meditate in here. No. You can sit in your room and uh, that's uh, available. That's very much part of the structure of this month, is, you know, in the way that it is uh, different than a scheduled group retreat, is, is listening, finding the rhythm of your own practice, whether it's in terms of length of sittings or where you sit, how you walk. Certainly we would encourage, as in any other retreat, the value and the support of continuity of both sitting and walking. But you need to you know, find out what works best for you. Find out what works best for you. And uh, just with regard to the space here also, for those who may be so inclined, standing meditation is also, is also fine okay. in the meditation hall. It's a yeah. kind of basically still forms as opposed to moving forms of practice. Yeah. The main notice board is the notice board we're using. We won't be posting any notices in the Hermitage Wing or elsewhere. Any notes you have for us really need to go on to the main notice board. Does anybody have any questions about the sort of kind of nuts and bolts, the structure of, of being here? All eminently clear? Yes, please, Heather. When you put the sheets up for 
We'll do it for a whole week at a time. We'll do it for, I think, a, a week at a time? Yeah, a week at a time. And it won't always have the full detail of information. It won't necessarily... We'll have the day and the teacher, for sure. We'll have the time. Um, but it may not have the time on it. We'll add that later. Sometimes we need to give ourselves... We, we, we're not quite sure when that will be, but it will eventually arrive and hopefully before the interview is due. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this will begin tomorrow morning. I will be both offering a talk and some interview spaces tomorrow morning. So be aware, you know, we we hit the ground running on this retreat. You know, we're up <laughs> and on. Yeah, and we'll put up the new sheet on the Monday night. So basically, today's Tuesday, so it's going up Tuesday night. We're starting, but we'll put it up. Do we say the Monday or the Tuesday? Monday, I think. So basically it, goes up, it will go up a day before the previous week's interview slots are done. Finish. So you've got, uh, you've got time to see what's coming. And uh, we'll make for quite a lot of paper on the notice board when they're all up there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yes? I just checked. There's a, a room up there that says teacher room. That's the one we would go to? Teacher's wing? Oh, we will generally... On the... On the interview sheet um there's a a place for space where it's going to be held so it will either be in the teacher's wing which is upstairs or generally the other space we use is the library because many a number of days two of us will be offering interviews on the same day yeah anything else everybody Okay, um, uh, you know, uh, it, sometimes it takes a day or two to iron out this. Yes? Well, just, oh, maybe this is a bit obvious, but um, um, is, is the general idea to stay with the same teacher? No, not at all. Not at all. And that may not be an option if you want to interview spaces in a week, you know. Um, you need, no, you, you need to find out what works for you, but I think it might not always be realistic to expect that you would get two interviews in this, with the same teacher in a week. You may have one throughout the whole month if that's working well for you. But as I say, always use the empty slots before writing a note. But see, see what works well for you, you know, and yeah, just see what works well for you. Okay. So I thought we would just um, end the evening with just a few minutes together and it's a time of just uh, a few moments of stillness and settledness. Perhaps just really cultivating a sense of appreciation of your own courage and motivation and commitment in being here. And also appreciating perhaps the many people in your life, friends, family, who have actually helped and supported you in coming here. And also an extending of that sense of warmth and appreciation 
for all of those around you in this room. It will be the community, your sangha, of practitioners over this time. Appreciating their courage, their commitment in being here. And all of the people here at Gaia House who over this time of retreat will be serving us, providing for us, supporting us. Appreciating too their commitment and generosity. May our practice be dedicated to an inner deepening, an inner freeing, an inner cultivation of kindness, compassion. May our path and our practice truly contribute to the well-being, the happiness of all of those that we know, those that we don't know. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings live with ease and with kindness. Wishing you a very rich, meaningful time here.